hello everybody welcome to the very first podcast from the school of gaming this is your co-host steve and with us we have toby toby where are you uh i'm in south korea where are yeah, you i'm in taiwan how's All it going right. in korea it's going pretty good uh i'm drinking some mockley right now yeah i don't think anyone well some people might know what mockley is but uh what is mockley it's uh Korean rice wine, I guess, is like probably the best way to say it. Although it's not anything like sake, which is probably the most familiar rice wine that people know about. Okay, okay, pretty good. It's an alcohol. Yep, and it's good. You're getting you're getting drunk in our first podcast. (laughs) Well, hopefully not too drunk, but a little bit. Yeah, today we're going to be uh, starting our very first podcast on a game that we both recently played, uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild. One of the most popular games for the Switch right now, and likely you've all heard of it, but we're going to give our unique insight and uh, try to shed some light on um, some of the stuff that we encountered playing it and some of our own viewpoints and interesting ideas we had with the game. Uh, Interesting to note before we actually get into that, though, is just last week, Breath of the Wilds. Did you hear about this? Yeah, uh, just totally. Uh, It basically outsold Twilight Princess as, as the most selling zelda game ever right yeah so previously uh twilight princess which came out for the gamecube and the wii was the best-selling zelda of all time but as of last week not including uh hd remasters breath of the wild is now officially the number one best-selling zelda game of all time yeah it's pretty amazing yeah i mean considering how new it is and just how much the switch has exploded alongside it it is pretty amazing and Breath of the Wild is so different from the other Zelda games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, do you think that was part of the reason? Was there an intrigue? Um, I mean, I think, I think it's definitely a huge part of it. Uh, I mean, the console in general is, is, has a lot of popularity that, you know, I'm talking about the Nintendo switch, of course, uh, the ability to play on the go and um, just the new, the newness of the Nintendo console and having a, uh, Breath of the Wild being a launch title, like obviously lended itself to uh, being very successful. Um, but I feel like there's other qualities of the game, like just in and of itself as just a game that really makes it shine and makes it something really special that uh, many gamers and, and probably most people who played it really feel like super strongly about. Just to uh, give my own... I'm wondering this, like Mario Odyssey is not the best-selling Mario game of all time. I don't even actually know where it ranks on that list. Mario Odyssey was also considered to be like completely a special Mario game. A lot of people argue it's actually better than Breath of the Wild, which I don't agree with. But I mean, something has caused Zelda Breath of the Wild to explode in sales that hasn't happened with Mario Odyssey, despite it being an absolutely amazing game that's gotten pretty much just as good reviews. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think, in my opinion, it, it's largely to do with the really elegant and just wonderful game design that Nintendo has come up with. And I think that the game design really uh, is differentiated from previous Zelda games and pretty much any game that Nintendo has released so far, like namely just kind of like the open world aspects of it and how when you play the game, everything you do helping you just enjoy the game like everything you do is slowly incrementally like improving your ability to kind of 
uh, take on the challenges of the world. There, there's not a lot of like pointless things that you have to do throughout the game. It kind of just like flows really well. I don't know. What, do, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, just from the standpoint of, I guess, like the game selling so well, like I don't know if any of us could have anticipated that. I think that comes from the hype. I mean, I remember seeing Breath of the Wild three years ago at E3 and being like, oh my God, they're making an open world Zelda game and being really on the fence about it just because of how open world has kind of exploded and had, I don't know, it seems a bit overabundant now. And like, there's a lot of flaws with a lot of the games. They're kind of seeming too familiar. So when I heard the news about an open world Breath of the Wild, yeah, I thought it looked freaking gorgeous, but I was a little bit worried that it was going to go kind of the route of like Assassin's Creed or one of those mainstream open world games that just kind of feels like all the other ones. Yeah, I mean, who knew? I guess this was like the the first like truly official open world game that Nintendo has ever made. I guess so. I don't know on that one. That's a good question. The first one I can think of, yeah. I certainly felt like some of their games in the past might have been open world as a kid. You were talking yeah. about Mario 64. Feeling mm-hmm. like an open world game, getting to explore a 3D castle for the first time. But I can't think of any other actual legit open world game that Nintendo has ever made. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Xenosaga? Would you? That wasn't Nintendo, was it? Yeah, Nintendo published Xenosaga. Oh, really? Series. Okay. <laughs> I but I don't know. I man, don't know. I don't like... need Xenosaga. <laughs> <laughs> and you can even maybe argue the original Zelda was an open world game. I mean, there's no, there's no explicit oh, instructions. Okay. Heard that argument before. Yeah. So, like, some old man tells you there's a waterfall with some like magical sp- sword or something underneath it, and then how, how the hell do you know where that's gonna be? Yeah. <laughs> step out you can only choose do i go left right up or down and the world <laughs> is just yours to explore so i would argue that the original legend of zelda is an open world game yeah so what what aspects of it being open world do you think that you really like the most i think my favorite thing about breath of the wild something that maybe frustrated me in the beginning of the game with the weapons breaking is just how vulnerable you are and just how you actually incrementally increase your power throughout the game in the beginning of the game, I just rushed at these Bok Goblins, assuming I was just going to smash them to pieces. And I had so many game overs, and I died so many times in the first 5-10 hours of that game. Yeah, And it like really made me have to think about combat. Should I engage in combat? How should I engage in combat? And I absolutely loved that the game forced you to actually think about every little decision, and you weren't superpowered whatsoever. I mean, you were actually yeah. very weak in the beginning of the game. Yeah. I love that part of it. Yeah, that's very true. And in the be- the very beginning of the game, you really do have to balance, like, do I engage or do I not engage? Because there's a somewhat of a cost to attacking. There, It's not just, like, you know, solid benefit. You don't just get, like, points and, like, more items. Your weapons get weaker. And, like, sometimes you have really, like, good weapons and you want to save them. You don't just want to waste them uh, whenever on whatever enemy you encounter. You kind of want to, like, save your abilities for certain situations and you constantly always have to think about that throughout while you're playing the game you do yeah I, I remember like trying to save my shields for so long like the best shields i had i was like oh man i can't use these shields if they break on me when am i going to get another shield that's just as awesome the old gerudo she gives you her like awesome shields mm-hmm. i just refused to use that shield for so long because i was like oh man this is a special shield i don't want it to break <laughs> like it, it is, it is kind of, I mean, you start thinking about things differently when, when items have scarcity, like, you know, that you, if you break this sword, you know, you're not going to have it anymore. 
you, you think about the game differently. And I think that that relates to the game design of the entire experience. You start out, you start out with nothing and you just have to build up your inventory and, and just kind of like explore and develop more ability or we're not really, I guess you start, you start off with your, all the abilities you need, but start off I don't know, really weak and then just kind of like build up what you can do and your knowledge of everything around you. And then you can just apply that and just get better and better throughout the game. For sure. But I mean, even at the end of the game, you're not overpowered. Like you have a lot of hearts, you have the ability to heal yourself, yeah. you have strong weapons and you have strong armor, but at the same time, there's still challenge. It's not like you can just mow over all the enemies in the game either. Ganon, Hyrule Castle has two of the strongest enemies in the game. And I went in there with the Master Sword, the Hylian Shield, 20 hearts, the best recipes I could cook up. And these like guardians inside these, um, I don't know, they're like inside these garrisons. Mm-hmm. There's like two bosses inside Hyrule Castle that are harder than uh, Ganon himself. And they, they annihilated me. I could barely do any damage to them. It turns out there's a technique where you can just shoot them with one... Um, ancient arrow and they die mm-hmm. which is actually what i did because i wasn't really like interested in wasting my uh i was too afraid that if i fought them with my swords and stuff i was gonna break them and lose to ganon yeah so i shot them with uh ancient arrows but it kind of weakens the battles and it doesn't give you all the um i think they give you some kind of treasure if you beat them mm-hmm. but yeah even at the end of the game i love that like link you're really powerful but you're not overpowered you're never overpowered it's almost impossible to become overpowered in that game yeah, yeah, it, it is really great. And and I feel like it was very intentional. Every aspect of that game is thought out. Like there's like there's it's just not and it doesn't follow like a standard formula. They're they're thinking of something new and they're trying they're trying to really make you have a like unique experience and it really just comes out. And I feel like all the different elements of the game just kind of work together really well and it just makes for like a really unique experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess that that's my favorite part of the game. But what about you? I love the open world. I feel like it's almost like the the world and the map is like a character in and of itself in the game. I feel like you become familiar with it and you really like learn to love just the different nooks and crannies of the world that you can explore. But I mean, I really like the shrines of the game. I thought that I thought the shrines were great. They're very different from like previous Zelda games, which had most of the puzzles in like few dungeons throughout the game but this is like these shrines are just spread out throughout the entire world there's over a hundred of them and each one gives you like a little bit of an experience some are better than others but like in general they're all really well thought out really good um little fun uh puzzles or just a lot of them are like combat based so i thought the shrines were really great in that game actually i think there's actually 120 shrines to be exact yeah, how, but, many, um, uh, how many have you collected in your playthrough? I beat about 70 of them. I'm at like 80-something, but yeah. Yeah, your, your, files, your file's ridiculous, man. You're over yeah. like 100 hours. I'm over 100 and... hours. <laughs> still, still haven't officially beaten Ganon, but it's okay. I mean, we both took very different paths. I kind of did everything <laughs> I wanted to do and beat the game in about 65 hours. Yeah. But I mean, there's still so much more I could do. Yeah, you can just do whatever and you can explore for a long time in that game. But yeah, I think I agree. I mean, I really like the shrines. I think I liked Mm. having to find the shrines too. Like kind of what made the world so magical to explore was that there are shrines everywhere. But even with 120 Mm. shrines, they can still be really hard to find. 
Yeah. In the beginning of the game, I was like, wow, if there's 120 shrines. Wouldn't they just pop up all over the map? I'm just going to be seeing shrines left and right. But the world is big enough and they're scarce enough where you actually, I mean, some of them are very easy to find and you'll just spot them from being on one of the towers. But some of those shrines are really hard to find. And they, yeah. they're really rewarding, the ones that like require puzzles. Mm-hmm. Did you do the one where you have to like make the snowball turn into a shadow on top of the mountain? Uh, I don't know. I may have done that one. I don't, I don't quite recall. But So some of the shrines were actually... There, you walk inside the shrine and you just pick up your treasure automatically. You automatically get your uh, spirit orb. But mm-hmm. it's just because actually getting the shrine and finding the shrine is the puzzle in itself. So there's one where you climb a mountain and you have to like go in this cabin and read this like, old explorer's journals. Mm-hmm. And it's really cryptic. I actually had to use a guide, I admit. And you need to pick up a snowball and you need to hold it at a certain angle. So it perfectly covers the shadow, the orange point on the base of the shrine. It needs to perfectly cover this. So you're holding the snowball on top of the mountain between like 4 and 6 o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. And if you do it, the shadow from the sun will make will reflect off the snowball and reveal that there's a shrine there. And I just played that and I was like, oh my God, if I was trying to figure this out like without a guide, this would just be so frustrating, but so rewarding when you figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many different kinds of shrines and they all offer different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just like you get like a lot of diversity and they're just short and fun and some are more involved than others, but they're mostly just little experiences to kind of like keep you going and increase your motivation to just continue exploring because you know you're just going to encounter more of these little things. And then like each one kind of increases your ability to kind of tackle the world. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I definitely think the shrine system was a cool way to go. Like, I do miss temples a little bit, but I think the shrine system for Breath of the Wild works very well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, Nintendo didn't 100% abandon the temples either. I mean, there are four actual dungeons in the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe five if you consider Hyrule Castle. Yeah. But uh, but kind of like shifting from what we think about the game itself that was amazing. I mean, we could spend a long time talking about that. But what do you think that this game means for Nintendo? Like in the history of Nintendo games and also just like the history of like games in general. Like, what do you think this means and what do you think that, that where this will take us? Well, I mean, uh, for the history of Nintendo, like I wrote a blog on this recently, which you told me you read. And mm-hmm. I think that Zelda just revives a series that has always been great, but has gotten stale to me. I love all of the Zelda games for unique reasons, but I have to admit that in the last 10 years, games like Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, They've just started to feel more stale to me and they're getting long. Both Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword just felt like they were getting longer. Everything was getting expanded, but there wasn't really enough. There wasn't enough new ideas. There wasn't enough new content to necessarily warrant that length or make that length something I thought was credible. I found it to be tedious as well as great. I think Breath of the Wild, Nintendo just slashed a bunch of stuff. You know, there's no hookshot. There's no traditional temple system. There's no useless side quests. I mean, I don't want to say there's no useless side quests, but there's nothing, there's no useless side quests that you have to do. No mandatory useless quests. Mm-hmm. And I think that Breath of the Wild just revives a series that's been kind of semi-ailing for the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. And it really like has the ability to alienate fans, but it also has the ability to draw in the old fans that 
you know, said, wow, what made this series so great in the beginning? What made A Link to the Past so great? What made Majora's Mask so great? What made the original so great? And Breath of the Wild really just captures that essence again. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. The previous Zelda games were, kind of, I mean, Ocarina of Time, it was just like a, a landmark game. And it was just like an amazing experience for everybody who played it. And then we had Majora's Mask, which was great. Um, and it, but very similar to Ocarina of Time in a lot of ways. But then we had like Wind Waker, which was a little bit controversial. We, bo- I mean, we, I think we both loved that game, but it's just at the time the cell shading was a little controversial. And then, um, oh, I don't think I don't think any Zelda game has gotten more hate before release than Wind Waker, <laughs> <laughs> probably. But and then subsequent to that, Twilight Princess, which is again a little bit controversial with the wolf. Like everybody loves. I mean, I I love that game. But a little controversial with some of the some of the game, and it's like a little bit formulaic. And then I think uh, Skyward Sword probably does not have a lot of high acclaim, although again we both love that game. But those are just they're just kind of more in line with um, kind of like a very subtle iterative kind of like step for these games. But then we get to Breath of the Wild, which is just like a huge step for for the franchise and just so different and such a different experience, I think. Right. I mean, all those Zeldas you mentioned, I would say Majora's Mask is quite different than anything before it, but all those other Zeldas you mentioned since then, I think they all have their unique twist, but they're more or less just the same formula redone. Yeah. And Breath of the Wild just stopped that dead in the tracks and just reinvented the series. Yeah. You know, it's not the same formula Skyward Sword, you can fly around and you can kind of traverse this sky world and battle. And the combat has, you know, the element of, you know, the motion plus controls, which was cool. But at the end of the day, it's just another Zelda game. I don't want to say just, but it's another Zelda game. It's very identifiable as formulaic, yeah. like you said. Yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild, Nintendo just destroyed so much of what made the, the those past Zelda games formulaic and reinvented it. And it's not even just the open world part of the game. It's everything. It's everything from the weapons breaking yeah. to the way they present the story in the game being in flashbacks, which I mean, I don't love it, but it's very different yeah. uh, to the open world to the fact that there's, you just, you can tame horses. You have to re, you have to collect resources. You cook your own food. It's just so different. I mean, not even just from Zelda. It's so different from any other game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. But, I mean, I guess we, we've gushed about the game as much, you know, endlessly. And, and like, we, we both love it. It's, it's acclaimed. Like, like, it's very popular. But, like, what are some aspects of the game that, that you feel like are shortcomings? And maybe I'll say what I think as well after you talk shortcomings um like, well, I what, think, what are some things that they could be better yeah i don't think i have anything here to say that is really new but i would definitely say the plot was one of the biggest <laughs> shortcomings with this with the, the lack of acting. structure oh yeah the voice acting was terrible zelda's voice so is bad. just so bad, dude. <laughs> that that was definitely a low point the pause as a whole, I mean, it was presented in the past. Like, you didn't really get anything that was happening in the present. Yeah. It, had the, it had the quirky dialogue. It had the fun side characters. But there was nothing to really, like, attach you to what was happening in the present. Everything you found out through the plot, if you even experienced the plot. Which you didn't have to do, yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost 100% optional. 
outside of your first trip to, I think, Kakariko Village. Mm -hmm. And other than that, you're experiencing stuff that happened 100 years ago. Whenever you jump to the past, I feel like something is weakened. It's just hard to like really care about plots that take place in the past, whether it be a book or a video game. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Or I mean, yeah, I do. I do feel like having more of a present focus in the plot would have been probably good. And my criticisms of the game probably relate similarly. Like I thought that the voice acting was not the best. I actually didn't really like the models of some of the sub characters. I don't know. I just like, like a little bit too cartoony for me, which is kind of weird. Cause I really like wind waker. Do you have any characters specifically that like, I never really noticed yeah, like, this. Like I, I didn't really like the Gorons that much or like the Ger- the Gerudos. I don't know. Like, like, See, I thought they were pretty much in line with the history of the series. Like the Gorons and the Gerudos looked pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can understand that. I just, I just found them to be, to be a little bit more cartoonish than like, I would have maybe preferred. Yeah. The Gorons have this whole like bro thing about them. And it definitely, they're these big yeah. muscly things. Like you'd expect them to be a little bit tougher. Yeah. I mean, like, the game in general was, like, had a very serious tone. And I just feel like it, the the cutscenes were pity and anime-ish. And I would have preferred, like, a more serious tone to them. But See, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think even in, like, Majora's Mask or Breath of the Wild, like, two of the darker mm-hmm. Zelda games, they still keep... I mean, Nintendo really likes to keep these quirky side characters. Even in a really dark, serious world, you have these ridiculous Good. plots. Like, I remember there's one girl, and she's in love with the orb that you need on she's on the beach and she's in love with the orb you need to unlock the shrine. She's literally like hugging it. Oh, I actually, I remember, I totally remember that. Yeah. And there's the game's just full of these quirky side characters or the guy that helps you build, um, Terry town. Yeah. Terry town. This guy, I mean, he's super quirky. He's like talking about how you need only people that have a certain last name can work in the village. And yeah, no, I love like, that. I love that stuff about the game. I'm not saying that. It was more, it's, it's more of just like the art style. Okay, like, so more. Like I would have, yeah, I would have preferred more like, you know, like when I played Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, I played those games with like a very serious, this is not like a cartoony art style, at least when I played it. That's not, how, that's not my interpretation of it. And I don't know, I guess I just would have preferred a more serious tone. But I mean, I don't know, people can interpret it differently. Like I didn't, I don't think everybody probably sees it the same way that I do. I see. Um, Yeah, because Breath of the Wild had a really beautiful art style, but it did seem like it kind of like had some differences. Like the world itself looked like semi-cartoony, but more realistic. Yeah, like definitely had more of that intense cel-shaded look about them. They They didn't look real at all. In the world itself, like I didn't get a sense that if things were very cartoony or associated at all in any way, like, I just would have preferred if the characters were more like that. But it's okay. Okay, that's an interesting complaint. That's not even something that um, yeah, I mean, nobody, my horizon. Yeah, nobody has really mentioned that a lot. But that's just like something I felt. But I mean, it's not that big of a criticism in general. But I guess my only other complaint, which I can't really complain about because I didn't partake in this, but I thought the Korok seeds, when I found out that you oh, get right. a golden turd for collecting 900 <laughs> of them, it just didn't seem like... I mean, there's 900 or so Korok seeds. Yeah. Around 450 Korok seeds, you get to upgrade your... Um, I think your equipment bag, you could hold more items. But at 900 Korok seeds, you get a big golden turd that doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for real, it's just Nintendo trolling. 
at that point. But yeah, I mean, and like some people really like were they're talking online about how like oh my god, Nintendo like really made these Korok seeds hard to find. They're really creative. It talks about how like much they love the game design. If that's so, like I feel like you should get a bit more out of finding them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I only found about 15 Korok seeds. I put in zero effort. I don't know. How many Korok seeds did you find? I mean, not not that many. I don't know. I don't even know. I didn't even really like pay attention to them, actually. Right. So it's a minor complaint because I'm not even going to partake in the hunt. But I still yeah. think in a world that has so many other amazing collectibles and how it seemed like there's nothing that's really pointless, the Korok seeds jump out as something that could have been implemented better. Yeah. Or could have at least given you a better reward if you're going to spend a week of your life agonizing over finding them. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do feel like Nintendo probably could have added a little bit more for the Korok seeds. Yeah, I guess I guess I, they probably just did that. They pro- they just probably thought that the, the golden turd was funny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, you just slaved a week of your life exploring every <laughs> single crevice and crack and having to revisit every location in Breath of the Wild. Here's your golden turd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they definitely have a sense of humor. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. I've, um, if I was a player in the beginning and I, did, I thought I was going to get something really awesome for finding 900 of those. Yeah. It's a really cruel joke to play. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> I mean, I would have trouble loving Breath of the Wild, I think, if I had done that, not yeah. knowing what I was going to get. Yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of in, 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 the, in vogue with the game. The, the point of the game is the journey, not the outcome, right? For sure, yeah. I, I didn't really get much. That, oh, yeah, that would be my other complaint, is the ending in that game is just horrible. It's not, it's not fantastic. I mean, we're not going to give any spoilers on it, but you go through all this effort, and you're having this huge experience, yeah. and it just feels like this marathon of a game. And then you fight Ganon, you win, and the ending is completely lackluster. I mean, it is the journey. That is, that is the theme of the game, I think. It's, yeah. the, it's not the end or the beginning, it's the journey that matters but. for sure but i just felt i felt a little bit cheated on how much they gave you in the <laughs> end. and not to mention if you collect all the memories you get an extra scene oh oh at and, the end yeah. yeah and the extra scene just contributes so little it didn't feel like yeah. it was even worth it to do that quest yeah. for that scene all those freaking memories but i enjoyed the side quest i guess yeah that yeah. was i think i think that was uh that, that pretty much encapsulates everything i feel about the game I'm curious on your thoughts on your past uh, experiences with open world games compared to Zelda and what Zelda might do for the genre. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like in general, the fact that uh, there's not a lot of pointless activities, like outside of the Korok seeds or whatever, like there's not a lot of pointless tasks in Zelda. Like everything kind of lends itself to improving your ability to fight, like improving your ability to get through this world. I feel like that's a huge component of open world that's sort of missing because a lot of open worlds, there's like games like The Witcher, which I absolutely love and it's a great game and it's fantastic in so many ways, but there's just a lot of like things in that game that they just don't like mean anything. Like you do them and they're fun and they're little things, but the the side quests can be a little bit disjointed from like the overall game that you're playing. I feel like Breath of the Wild is just very open and very fluid and very like everything's kind of just like naturally put together and it's it's just it just feels so like perfect but like also intentional in the in the sense of giving you the ability to explore and to do things how you want to do them and I think that that like kind of perfection of the open world in general 
is just something we have not seen before. Like that level of just being able to just go throughout the world and feel like you're doing something naturally as you were supposed to do it, even though it's not a linear game. You know, you're playing it however you want. So Zelda Breath of the Wild is your favorite open world game? Oh, definitely. Like, hands down. As somebody, and actually, I kind of dislike, at least in the past, I had disliked open world to some extent. Um, like, I'm not a huge fan of games where you, you can, like, dr- dramatically alter the plot of the game. Because I feel like if you're a storyteller, like, why would you want to tell, like, ten stories? You want to tell one story. So I, I have not been a huge fan of more open world freeform games where you have a lot of like say on the ending, but like The Witcher, like The Witcher, like. But I like I like that there's in Breath of the Wild it's open world and there's one plot, but there's still a lot of choice, and that's just like a really brilliant thing that I don't think we've really seen before. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Breath of the Wild kind of just said, okay, we're not going to really have a plot. That's kind yeah. of the price yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is that is kind of like the price, yeah. That's the price you pay for that level of freedom. But I think in this case, they executed it pretty well. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think you're experiencing something that a lot of people right now are saying. Open world has become kind of like first-person shooters were 10 years ago, where it's just the industry standard. And there's so many open world games that just mesh together. And especially when you have six games in one series, and they don't do a lot to separate themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. You played um, Horizon Zero Dawn, a game I haven't played yet, and a lot yeah. of people claim that might be the other modern open-world game that's better than the Breath of the Wild. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, I liked Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, I think it's like a pretty interesting game, and, and like it has a lot going for it. Like it's super beautiful, and like the mechanics of the game in general are kind of, and actually the mechanics of the game are kind of unique in a way. But in general, I really like that game. But I do feel like it's much more in line with. Uh, something like The Witcher than like Breath of the Wild. It doesn't. It doesn't like just completely turn open world on its head. It's more like in the in in that fashion of those previous games. I think. Okay. Well, I mean, what was unique about it? I've heard the combat is pretty unique. Yeah, like the combat with the with the air the bows and everything. Like it's it's pretty unique. And the story is like pretty good. I like the story a lot. Um, I like the the fact, just like the premise of the game, like the fact that they're like mechanical dinosaur things that you're fighting. It's it's, it's honestly like pretty cool. Like I really enjoyed that. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I like, I do like that game a lot. It, it's there's no doubt about that. But I just feel like it's not this step change that we've seen with Breath of the Wild. Right. Not, yeah. Like at all. Like in any way, it, it would. It isn't like that. It's more aligned to the status quo game instead of completely reinventing what the open world yeah. genre can be. Yeah. Like I would say it's like a very good status quo game. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's just what it is. I mean, I might argue that the other series that we haven't talked about that might be just as credible as Breath of the Wild might be Fallout. Uh-huh. And like, that's actually a series that I don't have a lot of exposure to, which is yeah. the same. And I really should play that series. I just don't haven't. Admittedly, me too, but I mean, it is one of those series where there isn't a lot of pointless stuff to do, and it's just, it gives you this world that you can kind of like alter. It does kind of let you like alter storylines, but at the same time, it's just an amazing open world setup. But mm. I mean, even there's some games like, you know, I love Metal Gear Solid 5, but I recognize there's a lot of flaws with it. Mm. The world is pretty empty. Like, there isn't a lot of benefits to exploring all of the world. It's just desert. If you ride your horse, <laughs> there, there's nothing. Dead. 
<laughs> you're right into Afghanistan, and until you come upon a base, there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing. But I mean, the combat in that game was incredible. Just the the sheer way you could play Metal Gear Solid, like through stealth or pull yeah. your way through like, a base using like, a helicopter or like whatever you want to use was amazing. Mm. But it doesn't go anywhere near the level of Breath of the Wild in terms of like how what it does to reinvent the genre. I don't know if developers are going to actually pay attention to Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild has to be outside of maybe Fallout 4. Breath of the Wild must be the best modern uh open world game that actually does reinvent the rules like there's literally that whole world map is just loaded with resources to collect food to get for cooking uh Mm -hmm. stuff to make elixirs when you kill when you fight enemies they give you useful items you can use there's nothing really on the side except for korok seeds and there's Mm -hmm. not really any other for sorry open world games that i can think of that give you that Mm -hmm. level of freedom and don't have anything that's a waste Mm-hmm. How, how sorry this is just a quick question but how do you feel about the the map the map system in breath of the wild as far as like having like towers that you have to climb to unlock like sections of the map like how do you feel about that do you think that adequately suits uh open world or could you would you imagine like a better system than that i mean i have heard people complain about basically having radio towers in breath of the wild that's <laughs> basically <laughs> what they are <laughs> I personally always felt great about climbing one and like unlocking yeah, like part it. of the map. I like immensely, yeah. I mean, as far as a better system, I'm sure there probably is one, but I don't have any big complaints on the way it is set up now. Mm-hmm. And I actually intentionally left some parts of the map unexplored until later because I wanted to just ex- I wanted to open a new area, explore that area as much as I could, yeah. and then run to a new part of the map. And once I found the whole map, I love that I could just fast travel between the whole between areas. And then if you're exploring a mountain range, you get bored and you're like, man, this isn't getting me anywhere. Mm-hmm. You just fast travel to another part of the world and explore there. And that that was amazing to me. Yeah. They really streamlined. Because some open world games just give you this huge world and there's no fast travel. You just have to walk 15 minutes in real time to get somewhere, doing pointless yeah. stuff on the way. You never have to do that in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, but I mean, but I do feel like through the exploration, you kind of earn the fast travel. You don't just get it at some point in the game. It's not just handed to you. Like, you have to, like, earn every tower that you can fast travel to and, like, every place that you travel to. So in that process, like, you kind of build the world that you can move through. So you get a reward, but if you earn it in some ways, you know? For sure, yeah. And that kind of goes into, like, the elements of the map. Like, you can't just storm through the desert. You need to have an elixir. Mm-hmm. That can like give you the ability to withstand the heat, and even at nighttime yeah. in the desert, it's too cold. The day's too hot. You need to find solutions to even survive any of the areas of the map. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't just think of the map as like a surface that you can just explore freely with no consequences. I remember I was so frustrated with the um, the volcano area because I forgot to talk to the lady that gives you the elixirs at the horse stand. Uh-huh. And I was trying to get through that area, healing myself as I kept taking damage. And eventually I just got so frustrated. I was like, oh my God, there's got to be a solution to this that I'm missing. Yeah, I was just getting torn apart by the flames. And so I eventually went back there and I just started talking to the NPCs. And this lady, it turns out she just sells you the elixirs you need to get there. But it's just absolutely brilliant how they laid out the map. Yeah, you have to find every area, and every area might have a new elemental danger or a new like enemy that can hurt you. Or you know, there's always stuff you have to think about. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I don't really, I can't say I have any outstanding issues with the way they built the map system. It's great. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I guess like my final thoughts on Breath of the Wild are there's very few things done wrong with it. It's an amazing game. It's one of the best open world games of all time, if not one of the best so best games of all time, period. And just, I don't know, I loved it. I played it for three months pretty much exclusively. I didn't play it as much as you did, but I still feel like I had such an intimate experience with that game. And I can't imagine anyone that likes Zelda, that likes uh, open world games, that likes RPGs, that likes Nintendo, that won't enjoy this game. There definitely will be people, but this game is just magical. And it's one of those games, one of those very rare games that comes around that changes the genre, changes the uh, company. And the last game I played that left me with these really giddy childhood experiences, like I played that game, I felt like a kid. The last game that did that to me was definitely The Last of Us back in 2013. Mm -hmm. There's been so many great games I've played since then, but the last game that made me feel like a kid again and just like absolutely charmed and bedazzled by the world was The Last of Us. So Breath of the Wild, just it's a must play for pretty much yeah. every every gamer out there. Yeah, and I just, I totally agree. I think, honestly, Breath of the Wild is the reason we wanted to start this podcast, just because we both feel so strongly about it. Um, we feel strongly about gaming in general, but few games uh, really bring you back to the, just that, I would call it like kind of like the primordial like gaming fascination that I think just so many people have or have had as children. And, you know, when you, when you first play Breath of the, the Wild and you're, you're even just 50 hours or 100 hours into the game, you can just sit back and just like think that this is like the experience that I had when I was a kid. When I, when I, the first time I played, you know, the Super Nintendo or the Nintendo 64 or something like that. And it just reminds you of just what these consoles and, you know, these game manufacturers can, can produce. And, you know, it just, it just reminds us that these, these people and, you know, these experiences that we can have through these games are really valuable and really, they really add a lot and they're really interesting and they're really, you know, we all really, really like them. (laughs) But yeah. uh, I mean, I can't remember the last game that I was playing for hours on end and just couldn't stop playing. And then even when I did stop playing, I was still thinking about it. Like that was Breath of the Wild <laughs> for me. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, you heard, you've heard our thoughts on Breath of the Wild. We both love it. If you haven't played it, go play it. If We would love to hear your thoughts on it. So please share your ideas. We would love to hear them. We'd love to discuss with you. And we will return in two weeks with a brand new podcast for you guys. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. It's been really fun. And see you next time.